Now, you see the power of words? And put this in the first century context. Uh, when Jesus is preaching from the boat, he has these large, amazingly large crowds that are gathered around him, and he uses a word picture. He uses an agrarian, not so much an urban, word picture to try to get to the heart of those who hear. You'll remember the main point from last week that this parable, uh, it is the only parable that Jesus clearly communicates what the meaning of the parable is. We have no question. But the point is this question. Do you have ears to hear? He begins the parable by saying, listen. And he ends the parable by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. But like any parable, there is this word picture that is neutral, inviting us to identify with four different soils. Do you have ears to hear? The word picture of this parable is very, very common. You've heard it, that a farmer goes out to sow seed. Jesus is clearly the farmer. In Matthew 13, the version that Matthew records, Jesus claims it. He is the sower, and the seed that he sows is the word of God. And there's four different soils that he represents, and I wonder eh, which one you identify with. There's a hard soil. That hard soil is a path. There's an excited soil. That excited soil is where roots go very, very shallow because of their rocks. It blossoms up quickly with joy and excitement, but as soon as there's light and there's heat, that word fades. Any sort of difficulty in life takes the word. Then there's a soil that is anxious. And by anxious, I mean it is a soil that isn't just for the seed. It also has other things competing for nutrients. And Jesus talks about uh, the thorns. And those thorns that are competing for nutrients, he clearly describes as cares of this world, the wealth of this world, and the kingdoms of this world. And then there's a good soil, a soil that is ready and a soil that is trusting. Here's the truth. You and I, uh, we greatly underestimate the power of what competes for the seed of God's soil, of God's word to sink into the soil of our souls. We grossly underestimate it. And it's all a heart issue. Let's start with a, a, a blank canvas and try to help it so you identify. You remember pre-COVID? Anybody remember like back away a long time ago? I can't tell you how many times I talk to people who really want to get in the word of God, but they would say, I don't have any time. I'm just so busy. And then COVID hit and everybody had tons of time. And I remember asking a few folks, you got your time now. How's your engagement with the word, <laughs> Right. Some people just had hard hearts. Ah, it really wasn't, you know, I didn't engage it at all. Some people were real excited. I have time, I'm gonna get engaged, this is awesome. And then it just kind of went on. And then others got engaged, got involved, the word started taking root, but then as things began to reemerge, there was all these things that competed and it just kind of lost its momentum. You see, we can identify with this parable your soul is one of the soils. I want to invite you to examine your heart. And I want to remind you, it is a heart issue. When you get up in the morning, and, you, and the first thing you do is check your phone, the first thing you do is to see who's texted you, who's commented on your social media, what emails you have, that's not a priority issue. 
Nobody has a priority at 5, 5.30, 6.30, 7.00, whenever you get up. That's a heart issue. We, we just are sucking affirmation from this world. <sighs> Give me more! And it's just empty. And God invites us to find restoration and renewal. Let's walk through these different soils of our hearts uh, that Jesus describes. Um, beginning at verse 14. Uh, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The hard unresponsive heart. It's a path. A path is a place of busyness. It's, it's run down. Uh, people have agendas on a path. They've got places to go and people to see. And when the seed is sown, then Satan actually takes the seed, says Jesus. Now, this is a heart that doesn't know Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, Satan has no authority in your life. You've been ripped from the domain of darkness. You've been transplanted in the kingdom of God's beloved son through whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of your sins. God owns you twice. He created you and he bought you with his blood. Satan has no domain. But hard hearts that are dominated by busyness and agendas, people to go places to see, uh, Satan will just grab, grab the seed of God's word. I'm reminded of the screw tape letters. If you're looking for a summer reading project and you've read it, screw tape uh, with his little nephew Wormwood, they're little angels of the devil. And they, uh, basically it's like a, a C.S. Lewis's uh, parable story of helping us see the spiritual warfare that is all around us and competing for turf in our heart. And there's a scene where this British guy, the patient, they call him the patient, uh, he's in a library and he's thinking about God. And I don't know, I wrestled with this. Do British people think in a British accent? I don't know. Was, was he like, I'm not even gonna try to do a British accent. Cause I know my, my son later will be like, dad, that was awful. No, so I won't do it. And it doesn't matter if British people think of British accents. If you're here from Britain, you can tell me later, please. You don't need to tell me now. But the patient started thinking about God in the library and it was, uh, it was a wormwood and screw tape that said, we can have none of this. We must get him to a place of busyness. We can't keep him in this silence so he can think. And they created a scenario with urgency where the patient had to go outside, where there was lots of noise and lots of competition and lots of busyness. And before you know it, Satan has snatched that word from the path. A hard, unrespondent heart. Second is a heart uh, that is really described as one that's excited. It's impulsive. Verses 16 to 17. Look at this. Look at the way it's described. Um, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but they endure for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Uh, the, the seed of God's word is received with energy, joy even, uh, the, the message of God's love, God's forgiveness, uh, God's law. Yes, all right, let's do it. And then some light and heat come. Persecution and difficulty because of the word and your excitement. All right, let's do it. It gets gone. Like, who, me? Yeah, what? No, word of God? Yeah, forget it. No way. No shape, no form. I'm here. I'm cool. Leave me alone. A path of least resistance. You might know some people who have come to Christ uh, and gotten real excited, but they never had any fruit, nothing, no, no real obedience in their life. Um, I didn't mean to pick on Presbyterians earlier when I said, let's get excited uh, for Jarrell, 
glad he's here, but we kind of have a frozen chosen problem where we're like, oh yes, God is awesome. The other extreme of that, the other extreme of that, I've got friends that are, that are Pentecostal friends, and all through uh, 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 that movement of God's spirit, there are people that have this real excited encounter, but they never, never obey really follow Jesus. There's no fruit. Uh, you know it. You've seen it um, in your life. A lot of people might call it a mountaintop experience uh, that you come down and it's just you're in the valley and things go away. The reality is that there are rocks. It's a very shallow soil. And unless those rocks are removed, there will be no fruit from your life. Third, the other soil is an anxious soil. Look at verse 18 to 19. Others are the ones sown among thorns. This is the word of God that's sent out. They are those that hear the word, but the cares of the world. Now, he's describing what the thorns are. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. These are folks that uh, you, you have more, uh, uh, more competition in your heart in the form of idolatry, a competition for your affection. If the first soil or, or, or someone who doesn't know Christ personally, right, that doesn't have the spirit of God living inside of them to fight off, there's a sword of the spirit, the word of God, uh, someone that doesn't understand the gospel, then the third soil is someone who, ha- they might have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm going to tell you this, uh, they don't tr- find their whole identity in Christ. Someone that finds their security, not in the love of Christ, but in the love of other things in this world. It's someone who, who hears the gospel, and rather than an announcement, we don't receive it as an announcement, we see it as a, another thing we need to do to try to earn God's approval and love and acceptance. We're not dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We're dependent on other things in this world. When you don't understand the gospel, you try to find your worth and your significance through your performance, through your productivity, through a different people in your life. When you don't find your security in God's love, you seek to find your security in things of this world, loves of this world, Finances, friendship, what you do in your free time, what you're going to do in your future. These are all realities that compete for the soil of our heart. The wealth of the world, the kingdoms of this world are thorns that choke out the seed of God's word. In our deep dive Sunday school class, we we looked at Solomon. Uh, Solomon, uh, we're not going to get to James yet. Uh, This is from 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon was asked by God, he said, uh, ask for anything, I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for what we translate in the ESV, an understanding mind. And in Hebrew, the word is actually luv shoema. It is a heart with ears, a heart that hears. That's what Solomon asked for. And God said, because you asked for this, I will give you everything you didn't ask for all kinds of wealth, all kinds of influence, all kinds of success, and he did. And if you keep following the story of Solomon, you see by the time you get to chapters 10 and 11, those things 
were thorns that choked out the ears of his heart. He didn't have ears to hear. He rejected God. His heart turned away from God. His heart ignored the word of God because good things of this world competed for the affections of his heart and he lost his ears to hear. That's Solomon, another ruler that you may or may not have heard of uh, is, I'll make sure I have it right here. Uh, I don't have it in my notes. I have it in my class notes. Joseph Stalin. Have you heard of Joseph Stalin? Yeah, it's Joseph Stalin. He led the Soviet Union. The fruit of his life murdered an estimated between 20 and 60 million people. You know where Stalin was before he was a dictator? Seminary. He had Bible classes. He memorized scripture. What happened? The weeds, the thorns of power, of revolution, of Marxist philosophy, Karl Marx took his mind and other philosophers and the fruit of his life was total destruction and devastation. How about you? What are thorns in your heart in your life? What does the fruit of your life show? That's the fourth place that Jesus goes. The fourth soil is an excited, uh, no, the fourth soil is a heart that is ready and a heart that is trusting. Good soil is what Jesus describes in verse 20. Those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear and accept the word and bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. <laughs> the good soil is when the word of God is, is implanted in our heart and it bears fruit. It's a ready soil because we've removed things that compete for nutrients. We remove our love for things of this world. We remove the things that compete for our heart affection, that take uh, our sense of significance and security and status that we have in Jesus Christ and the gospel alone. We're ready with the soil because we are removed anything that we're dependent upon outside of the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly consistent with the New Testament. Jesus' brother, the Apostle James, he says it this way. Ready and trusting hearts are fruitful. Here's what he says. Therefore, put away, weed your heart, all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The implanted word, that seed. What does it look like to receive it? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if one is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. And he looks at himself and he goes away and he forgets what he looks like. He who has ears, let him hear. What does that mean? That means we've received the word and we've taken out all the weeds and thorns and rocks We've repented and we come and we hear and we do the word. Do the word? Yeah. When the Holy Spirit is inside of you, then the right response to God's grace is obedience to God's word. This is why Jesus says in, in the Gospel of John, to love me is to obey me. It is a right response to the king of kings who's revealing the mysteries of the kingdom to obey him, to hear his teaching. 
and to do his teaching. It is simple obedience. Well, let me ask you this, church. What, is your heart ready and trusting? Have you removed the rocks, the weeds, the tares uh, in your heart? What do you need to remove? I know. I know you've been wrestling with something to remove. Something that you, that you do in your free time that you don't want to do. Something you do with your money that you've been wanting to stop doing. Things that you are watching, what you're saying about people, how you're interacting with people, what you're thinking about people, what you're consuming when no one's watching. What do you need to remove to ready your heart? And then trusting. Where do you need to obey? Who do you need to forgive? Where do you need to give? Oh, the Spirit has been nudging people to be more generous this time. But the thorns of the cares of this world are, are keeping us closed-handed. Well, who do you need to give to? Where do you need to obey the teaching of the King? To consider others better than yourself. That the greatest among us is a servant of all. A servant, obedient to our master, the king. Where do you need to walk in the light? God is light. He is truth. Where do you need to obey and be truthful? Trusting the love of our king and the security of the gospel more than anything else in this world. When we can ready our hearts, we will be fruitful. And fruitfulness is God's design from the beginning. I mean, Jesus says that you'll be fruitful 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Fruitfulness is not the focus, but it's a result. That when the word of God is in a soil of a soul that is ready and trusting, it will bear fruit. This is all through Scripture. In the Psalms 1, verses uh, 1 to 3, when you walk in the ways of the Lord, you will be fruitful. In season and out of season. <laughs> Jesus says, in fact, in Matthew chapter 7, that you will know a tree by its fruit. There's no good tree from good soil that's going to bear bad fruit. And there's no bad tree and, and, and thorny soil that's going to bear good fruit. What's the fruit? And, and Jesus invites us all to abide in him. We will bear fruit when we are ready, removing that which competes for affection and trusting and abandoning ourselves in his love. John 15, the gospel bears fruit in our life. Colossians 1, I love the imagery that Paul uses in verses 6 and 10. The gospel is bearing fruit all over the world. And in the Spirit does so in Galatians 5, 22. The Spirit wants to bear fruit through you. The Spirit uses the word the question for us today is, are our hearts ready and trusting? Jesus alone gives a new heart, a real relationship with Christ, our only hope, as Jarrell just shared with us. The Holy Spirit alone can make the power of the gospel real. So I'll end by asking this question. How's your heart? Just put them all up there. Is your heart hard? busy on the path of agendas and places to go and people to see? Is your heart excited, impulsive and responsive, but without intentional and discipleship, no roots to really grow and bear fruit? Are you anxious, 
looking to idols of this world and this culture uh, to give you what only Jesus Christ can give you and only the gospel secures in you? Are you, are you ready? Have you removed the things that compete, trusting and doing God's word? You see, it's an acronym that says heart. I kind of liked making that for you. But that's really what this is all about. Do you have luv shwema, a heart with ears, a heart that hears wisdom for all of life? When we come to this table, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much God wants your heart. He was so desperate to be in relationship for you, to you to have ready soil, a trusting soil in your soul, to have a heart to receive his word that he came while we identify with Solomon and why I, we identify with Stalin by letting the thorns of our culture drown out and compete for the word while we were still sinners, even enemies of God, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His heart stopped so we could have a new heart. He gave up his spirit so he could give us his Holy Spirit. And we can be sure of this invitation that we can begin again with grace as our ground for roots to grow deep so that our lives can be shown growing in the fruit of the spirit measurably because it was the night that Jesus was betrayed so that you could be accepted. At the last supper, he came and before he broke bread, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood poured out for what? The forgiveness of your sins. As long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And my friends, he will come again. Our king will return. And he wants you to have the benefit, not the burden, the blessing of being grounded in grace with hearts, soils of your soul that are ready and trusting to receive his word. We come to this table to feast on the means of grace that God gives us. In our unrighteousness, friends, come and taste Christ's righteousness. In your sin, friends, come and taste the sinlessness of Jesus. In our rebellion, come and taste the forgiveness of God. Only in Jesus Christ and in him alone can you experience the richness of his grace. So friends, come, come in your poverty and experience his riches. Come in your death and experience his life. Come in your need and experience the bounty of his love for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the power of the gospel, your love for us. Thank you that no matter where we are this morning, Lord, when we put our trust and our faith in you, you promise to feed us and to nourish us. Lord, we can identify rocks in our hearts, thorns in our lives, affections that compete for the loyalty of our heart. Lord Jesus, son of David, we come to feast on your grace. Nourish us. We know, Lord, you're locally present at the right hand of the Father, but we ask that you would be spiritually present in this common and ordinary bread and cup. Would you set it apart? by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we come to you in need, would you please show us your provision? As we come to you in our brokenness, would you please make us whole? 
As we come to you in our places of death, Lord Jesus, we look to you alone for life. Help us to know the experience, the richness of your grace. We love you and we thank you and pray for your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.